talked about last night. Setbacks pave the way for comebacks. It only happens when you believe, and it only happens with a great team win. Good job. Hey, what, what did we say last night about their schedule? They got to play And you guys stepped up to the plate today, big time. Where's JJ at? Yeah. This morning, this morning, I didn't even know if he was going to play. He went over 300 yards. I need a new ball here, guys. Ready? One, two, three. Another crazy Sunday in the National Football League. 12 down, 6 to go. Two-thirds of the way in. Every time we think we know something, we're reminded we know absolutely nothing at all. I know this. The show's PFT Live. I know this. We're on Peacock, Series XM85, Sky Sports NFL, podcast audience, wherever, however, whenever. And I know that I missed not doing the show. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're back after a short, temporary Thanksgiving hiatus. Miles Simmons is back, and we're ready to talk foosball for the next two hours. Hello, Miles. Hello, Mike. I'm sure you have plenty to say because you've been cooped up for so long, and uh, I'm just ready to sit back in my chair and kind of watch you work. I, that's kind of what I'm anticipating over the next two hours. Well, I really do wish we did the show on Thanksgiving Day, and I wish we did the show on Black <laughs> Friday, and I know that I am probably alone in my position in that regard i know that chris Sims yeah does not want to do it i'm already hearing i'm wait i'm hearing breaking news in my ear from the control Uh room that i should shut the hell up and just i would have gotten on zoom and done it with you we got three games on thanksgiving i go through this every year hey folks we got three games on thanksgiving and next year there'll be a game on black friday I'd like to talk about at least one of the Thanksgiving games, but it's four days old. It's stale. We have to focus on Sunday. I'd like to talk about Thursday. I wanted to have a chance to talk about Thursday. A lot of layers and levels of intrigue from that. No, you just want to talk about the Vikings. That's all you want to do. Yeah, you want to talk about the Vikings. That's okay. There were some bad calls in that game, some questionable calls that deserve to be properly digested, but the time has passed. There's no time to digest it. The food is digested. The game is digested, even though we didn't get a chance to do it. So we get to the weekend that was, the Sunday that was. And sometimes we start with the Sunday night game. Sometimes we don't. People think that we always start. Why you start with the Sunday night game? It's the NBC game. You have to do it because they make you do it. No, we start with what we think is the most exciting and relevant and fresh thing to discuss. And sometimes it isn't. The Sunday night game. And then people get mad. Oh, you have that game on your network. Why didn't you talk about why my team won? So you can't win. So we just talk about whatever we want to talk about. This week, we are talking about the Sunday night game. Because it was better than expected. And it does have plenty of layers and levels of intrigue. Starting with the fact. And I don't want to overstate this. I don't want to be accused of engaging in hyperbole. But we may never see Aaron Rodgers ever play again. We have to accept that possibility. I mean, when we were at, not you, Miles, you weren't with us yet, but we were at the Chiefs-Colts playoff game in Kansas City four years ago almost. 
Nobody had any mm-hmm. idea it was the last time we were going to see Andrew Luck. Now, different set of circumstances, but you never know when someone's walking off the field for the last time. And when you consider all the things Aaron Rodgers has said over the past few years, including most recently, back in June, when he was doing that golf thing with Mahomes and Tom Brady and Josh Allen, somebody asked him, does he think about retirement? He says, all the time. I think about it all the time. He's been talking about it as much or more than Brett Favre did in the twilight of his career. And you got the broken thumb that we're hearing all this about, the avulsion fraction. Oh, I can't believe he's playing. All this setup, this Big Ben setup to either bask in the glory of a Willis Reed type of a performance or set the stage to go on IR. Then you throw this rib thing on top of it. He thought he had a punctured lung. I mean, Miles, I... When, when I saw him run off the field toward the tunnel last night, I, I, I think it's foolish to not at least accept the possibility that that's it, that we're never going to see him again. We have to at least entertain that possibility. Now watch, he'll play on Sunday against the Bears and throw for five touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, you, you really wanted to entertain that possibility. You, that was the first thing you texted as soon as he ran off the field. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not possible. It obviously is. And especially when you're talking about ribs, we know from all the things that happened last year, right? Think about Tua Tungavailoa. There were a couple other players where it was like, okay, you know, the ribs seem to be all right. Maybe it's going to be this. Maybe it's going to be that. And then after the recheck or they come in again on Monday, Tuesday, whatever it was, and then, oh my gosh no he's going to be out for three weeks or so or whatever it happens to be so when you're talking about that area of the body there's so many things that you can't just tell when you're in the stadium and you're getting those x-rays so it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that this is the last time we see Aaron Rodgers no but at the same time he's talking about you know as long as we are still mathematically in it I want to be out there so I, I understand where you're going, but I also would like to pump the brakes on that just a little bit. I, I want to study because I, I like being able to see and hear the words. There's such a disconnect at times between what gets put on paper or on your computer screen and what actually is said, how it's delivered, the facial expressions, the body language. So l- let's let's take a look at that. We're We're all out of order here, but that's okay. Let's have a listen and a look at Aaron Rodgers, talking about his supposed desire to keep on going as long as the Packers are mathematically alive. Here it is. And it was in the first half and then got kind of re-aggravated in the third quarter. Just having a hard time breathing and rotating my upper body. So I was worried uh, about a punctured lung as well. So I wanted to get that checked out. Um, get a scan tomorrow. So the they announced oblique in the press box, but is it it's a rib injury, not an oblique? Yeah, it's not an oblique. Do you, do you think it's broken? Is that the early indication? Uh, it was hard to tell on the x-rays, um, so we're going to do some more tomorrow. You know, as long as I check out fine tomorrow, we'll uh, expect to play this weekend. I want to take my mind there, but as long as, as long as we're mathematically alive, I'd like to be out there. I mean, sometimes you just say the things that you feel like you have to say so you cling to some hope because you don't want it to end that way. You don't want it to end with a whimper. You want to go out with a bang. So I, I, I'm i inconclusive as to what that really means. He seems very concerned about what's going on in there, obviously. The yeah. x-rays only tell you so much. 
CAT scan today. And if he spent a large chunk of the game thinking that he had a punctured lung, he was in some severe pain. Broken ribs is something I had a long time ago. I fell down a hill, and I had multiple broken ribs. And it hurts like hell. I never thought I had a punctured lung. Of course, I wouldn't know what what that felt like. I never felt like I had trouble breathing. I can only imagine trying to play football, feeling like you can't breathe, that half of your lung capacity is shut down or close to it. So there's a concern there. And on top of it, this thumb injury that keeps getting, I don't know if it's getting worse, but it's not getting any better. And all of a sudden, we've been hearing all these details about it when we are nothing for weeks. I just feel like that's part of the setup to the slip to injured reserve once they are done for practical purposes. And there's a real difference between being mathematically eliminated and being done. The Packers are done, but they're not mathematically eliminated, right? The Bears are done, but they're not mathematically eliminated. And, and yeah, there have been teams that have risen from the done and gotten to the playoffs somehow, some way. But having that extra game, it takes longer to be technically done even though you're practically done. So I, I, I don't – I mean, they, if they would beat the Bears this weekend with Trevor Simeon and Nathan Peterman at quarterback, if Justin Fields doesn't play and they go into their bye week 5-8, and eight, they're not mathematically eliminated. But, you know, and, it's, and, you know, and this is the other side of it too, Miles. The organization may want to see more Jordan Love after last night because I think anybody partial to wearing cheese – on their scalp would like to see more of what we got a glimpse of last night from Jordan love. Absolutely. And and frankly, I mean, the the Packers need to know something about Jordan love and how he plays because they have to make a decision on his fifth year option. So I don't know what exactly that means, but I mean, practically you do need to figure out something about whether or not Jordan Love can play quarterback in the National Football League. And if that means that if Aaron Rodgers has to go on injured reserve to kind of preserve that image or what have you and have him not necessarily be benched, then perhaps that's what you do. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, Jordan Love comes in and he provides that spark and you can see that he does have some chemistry with Christian Watson, I think in part because he was the quarterback for the entire offseason program, except for the mandatory minicamp. Right, he's been Ouch. taking snaps. He's been working with these Ouch. dudes. I I think that that makes a difference. I mean, look at this. He's, he's off and he's running, and it was on time, on target. It's exactly the thing that you want from your quarterback. He provided a spark to Jordan Love. He provided a lift. So... I don't know, man. I'm not sure exactly what this means for the Green Bay Packers. But, yeah, I I think to your point of do you want to see Jordan Love play? Yes. Does that mean you want to push Aaron Rodgers out of the door? I don't think that that's exactly what you want to do just based on what he means to that franchise. But sometimes you got to do things that don't really feel great in order to uh, preserve your long-term interests. Yeah, that's why they drafted Jordan Love in the first place. Rewind to April of 2020. They wanted Justin Jefferson. Oops, that didn't happen. And to make matters worse, he ended up with their division rivals. Then they wanted Brandon Ayuk. Well, that's when the 49ers traded up before the Packers could. So plan C wasn't get another receiver. 
plan C was trade up to get Jordan Love. So this has been in the works, and it upset Aaron Rodgers. It created a lot of drama. It put a red-hot poker on his butt to two straight MVP awards. It did have a benefit, but now it gets a little bit awkward. Because now you may want to find a way. You know, back in February of 2008, they found a way to do the old Michael Scott closing the door on Robert Dunder. They were able to find a way to get rid of Brett Favre. The problem is Robert Dunder started banging on the door saying, can someone call me a cab? And Brett Favre started banging on the door saying, I want back in. I want to play. So it was it was strange to say the least. And Rodgers has a lot of power here because of his contract. Mm-hmm. So it's something I want to fully study and break down, and I'll write about it at PFT. But they're going to have a hard time here if Rodgers senses that they're trying to float him on a sheet of ice the way they did to Brett Favre some, what will be 15 years ago when this eventually unfolds. But I, I'm intrigued by Jordan Love. How can you not be intrigued? what we saw last night and maybe the Eagles were playing a little soft maybe they were complacent maybe they were thinking the game was over the moment that Aaron Rodgers left and they weren't out there applying the same kind of focus and effort but man Jordan Love was throwing missiles all over the place the sideline throws I mean Chris Collinsworth kept saying it and he was right Jordan Love looked awesome last night in the limited work that we witnessed and came down to an onside kick and they may have had a chance to get down the field and score a game-tying touchdown after they were left for dead so uh, there's a lot of good last night in what we saw from the Packers. Before Aaron Rodgers left, they kept fighting back. And then when, once Jordan Love came in, I, you know, they, they got nothing to be ashamed of. You know, they, they, they had plenty to be ashamed of in their loss at home to the Titans a week and a half ago. Sure. They got nothing to be ashamed of last night. The only problem is cool. they're, they're, they, they've now fallen to four and eight. And, you know, it's, it's a tough I mean- road the final five games. You can, say, you can say the Packers offense doesn't have anything to be ashamed of, but I think the Packers defense certainly does. And my goodness, we can talk well, about that true. now, can't we? That's Holy true. crap. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What in the world's going on, man, when you're letting up 363 rushing yards? Oh my gosh. In the year of our Lord 2022, the game is not designed for this. And you let up 363 rushing yards. The Eagles have the most rushing yards in a game since 1948. That's the last time the Cleveland baseball franchise won a World Series. You weren't even alive then. I wasn't even a twinkle in anybody's eye. I can't believe this. Well, your mother wasn't even alive then. I know. (laughs) I know. Harry Truman was president then. The tr- I mean, we, we were we were talking last week. Uh, was it last week or the week before about something that had happened? Boy, my brain is just completely out. All uh, the Vikings has no meaning. Their their home loss was their oh, worst yeah. since Kennedy was president. Right. And now something happened that hasn't occurred since Truman was president <laughs> in 1948. Um 376 yards against Washington. And yeah, the game is designed now to throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. But, and, and I don't want to put this all on the Packers defense. The Eagles offense has perfected this running game and they've got, he's not Mike Vick. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Kyler Murray. And he's, he runs differently than Patrick Mahomes. 
He's got more explosion than Patrick Mahomes. It's a combination of Mahomes' uncanny ability to go to where the other guys aren't with more athleticism than Patrick Mahomes, more speed, more elusiveness naturally. But it's a but he's got the Mahomes instinct of I know where I'm going, I know where they're going, and I know where to go to avoid where they are. And also, I love how he knows when to call it a day, step out of bounds, sidestep a big hit, sit down on his ass like he did last night to stay in bounds, although he took kind of a hard hit from behind when he did do the do the take a seat and keep the clock moving. But and in that that RPO, not not the RPO, but just the option, the read option that he runs. When when he sticks the ball in the guy's gut and pulls it away, I mean it's 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 like it's like I mean Michael Scott would be envious of it. It's sleight of hand. There there was a, a a play last night where he put the ball in the running back's gut, and I thought the running back had fumbled the ball when I saw it not in his hands. I'm like, where's the ball? I don't know where the ball is. Oh, there goes Jalen Hurts with the ball. That's how good he is at doing that. So. You know, they're playing to their strengths. He still can throw the ball really well, and he's developed tremendously in that regard. But if the run's there and they can't stop it, I mean, that that's, you know, we get so caught up in the nuances and the complexities of football. Oh, we can't run the same play again. Bull crap. If they can't stop it, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing the thing that is working until they can stop it. And if they can't stop it, don't stop doing it. And that's why they ended up with 363 rushing yards last night. Yeah, man. I mean, one of my favorite football sayings is when you throw the ball, three things can happen and two of them are bad. So if you're running the ball well, then don't stop running the ball well, right? And that's exactly what the Eagles did last night. I mean, they just kept pounding it and pounding it and pounding it. And they were averaging something like 8.7 yards per carry through three quarters, which is unbelievable in today's game. It really, really, truly is. And so when you have somebody like Jalen Hurts, who can pilot the offense the way that he can. You've got somebody like Miles Sanders who can run the ball the way that he can as well. It really does present a challenge for defenses. But at the same time, you don't see this, something like this happen for a reason. I mean, usually guys can get in their run fits a little bit better than this. I mean, Jalen Hurts had 100 yards rushing in the first quarter. That's pretty unheard of, especially from a quarterback. So... I don't know what the Packers got to do, but something's got to change schematically in order to stop the run a little bit better. If you're the Eagles, especially that Eagles offensive line, you can't tell that Eagles offensive line nothing this week, man. I mean, they should feel really, really, really darn good about themselves because they put on a hell of a show. And, you know, this is one of the things we see week in and week out in the NFL. Nobody stays the same. You're kind of down for a little bit. You're sluggish. You get called out. You get focused. It all falls together. It all starts to work from the first drive, and it just keeps going. Or you have a really big game, and everybody is, just assumes, hey, you're always going to be great, and, and you're not. It, it's, every week's different. Every, every game is different. We, we saw Ebbs that. and flows. From Sunday to Thursday, 40-3, to three, the Vikings lose, and then they find a way to – to go toe-to-toe with the Patriots and win the game. The Cowboys didn't look nearly as dominant on Thursday night as they had the prior Sunday. The Giants looked awful against the Lions, and then they gave the Cowboys as much as they could handle for as long as they could. I mean, we're going to see that. The Eagles aren't suddenly going to be spectacular every week. It was just last night against a Packers team that needed that game. I've been saying all week the playoffs begin, or began as the case may be, last night 
to the Green Bay Packers, and they've essentially ended, although they aren't mathematically eliminated, and they still could run the table, and they still could sneak in. It still could happen. It's just not going to be easy to do. There's so many teams out there. When you look at the the cluster of teams in the NFC East, there's too many teams to jump over to get in. And I know you only have to get to the seventh spot, but there's a lot of other teams there that are going to have you just get you're at the point where you need a ton of help you got to run the table and you need a ton of help and it's way too early to start working on the scenarios because there's six weeks weeks left for for most teams five weeks for some who haven't had their buy yet but uh the eagles don't have to worry about that i mean it's just a matter of time before the eagles clinch something they may not clinch the division for a while with the cowboys and the giants still hanging around and the washington commanders yeah but but the, the playoff berth is going to be clinched pretty soon. It has to be for the Philadelphia Eagles now that they're at 10-1. and one. Yeah, and that's what you want to do when you have a good team that can go out there and beat different teams every single week. You want to stack those things up because each win that you get is basically money in the bank. You know, you can have the trip up once or twice, and then you still get yourself into the tournament. That's exactly what you want to do. So I think the Eagles have put themselves in a great position because they've been adaptable, right? They've shown that they can get the ball to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and those guys, right, and and do what they have to do in the passing game to win if they need to do it. You know, they can show that they can win a close game on the road when you don't play your best game like they did last week against the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, look at that though right there. I mean, my gosh, that's that's about as good as it gets um, from Jalen Hurts right there when it turns to a back shoulder throw. I love to see that. So you see those kinds of things. And now I know the way they're running the football too, it just means that they have different ways that they can beat people. And the good teams, really the great teams, they do that week in, week out. They show that they can win in different ways. And that's why, you know, you see the Eagles and they make those moves to go out and get Linval Joseph and Dominican Sue. They weren't resting on their laurels. They tried to get better in the, in the areas that they had some deficiencies. And that's how you continue to make yourself better and push for not just a playoff berth, but also a championship. I, I like where the Eagles are at. And offensively that has really been the straw that serves the drink they have great balance though it's hard to be successful in the way that every team aspires to be successful without having some balance the defense has been very good the offense though the versatility that they bring to the table here's coach Nick Sirianni from after the game talking about how they are able to basically do whatever they need to do whatever they want to do in any given situation you never want to be one-dimensional in anything, so you, you're trying like crazy. You'll, you'll do whatever you got to do to win that game, and, and sometimes you don't shoot. We didn't. I, I, I'd be lying if I said, "Hey, Jalen's going to rush for." We said in the earlier this week that Jalen was going to rush for 150 yards. I mean, so you you get the flow of the game and get that, but you never want to be be one-dimensional. So I think we've thro- shown that we can win throwing the football. I think we've shown we can win running the football offensively. And that's important because in the playoffs, you have to do both, right? And in the playoffs, I just, you know, and, and when you want to go where you want to go, you got to be able to do both. You want to win big games, you got to do both. Um, so, um, you know, that, that's important. So to win big games, you have to be able to run and throw the ball and, and you can't be one-dimensional. And I think that's where, you know, what we've been able to do. Oh, he's upset with himself that he said the P word. He he's did. got now. I I know. I know that the long list of superstitions is not exclusive to the Italian heritage, but I can tell you, I can tell you that 
there's a bunch of them, and I can't keep them all straight. And I'm sure there's things I do every day that my dad would say, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't say playoffs. Don't say playoffs. And uh, he's right, though. When they get to that place that they're trying to get to that we shall not mention until we actually have hatched all of the chickens that I am dangerously counting, you want to be, you want to be uh, versatile. Because, look, that's when it gets to the point where you've got 17 weeks of film. Mm-hmm. And they start trying even harder than ever to crack the code on what you do. And you want to be able to pivot. You want defenses to pick their poison. You're going to come out hard to try to stop this. We're going to be able to do that. You try to stop that. We're going to be able to do something else. You try to stop something else. We'll go back to the thing you were trying to stop in the first place. It's one of the reasons why Josh Jacobs gashed the Seahawks yesterday the way he did with over 300 yards from scrimmage. They were determined to take away Devontae Adams. Congratulations. For the most part, you did. But Josh Jacobs tore you up. So the Eagles want to have that flexibility in what they do, and they have it. They have it. Now, are you going to keep A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith happy if there's 363 rushing yards every week? No. But it won't be that way every week. You do it when you need to do it. You do it when it's there, and it's not always going to be there. Because I guarantee you that the next opponent for the Eagles will be better prepared to stop the run than the Packers were. And then that's what will make them vulnerable to the pass. Yes, ab- absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I do think it's funny that it's like, you hear Nick Sirianni say the word playoffs and it's like Jamora just, you know, popped into his head playoffs. I mean, play, I'll talk about playoffs. You know, you're still in November. And like, I, I understand why that's sort of a superstitious thing, but at the same time, in the back of your head, that's kind of what you have to start thinking about. The Eagles are 10 and one as a practical matter. They will be in the postseason as long as they don't have some sort of epic collapse that I don't think they can see themselves having, right? I, I certainly can't see it happening. And I don't think most of us can see it happening either. So they just have to continue to play week to week. And that's what they've been doing. That's why they've been so adaptable. But at the same time, we can think a little bit further ahead, right? And if you look at the way the NFC playoff field could shake out, there's a good chance that at least once in the postseason, they're going to be facing a team for a third time whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Cowboys, or whether it's the Washington Commanders. Because all those three teams really could be in the postseason. I mean, look at what the NFC East is. The NFC East is the division that we thought the AFC West was supposed to be. But look how good those teams are. So if you know that there's a possibility that you could face one of those teams that knows you that well, you have to be as adaptable as possible, and you have to practice being adaptable. And the only way to really practice that is to do it in different games. So that's why I think the Eagles are in great position because now we've seen them do it. And the fact that Nick Sirianni knows that, I think, you know, kind of tells you a little bit about something as him as a head coach. Well, it's amazing that two years ago, we weren't ready to disband the NFC East, but I was ready to take away their automatic home playoff game. Yes. That was the conversation. All four teams were terrible, and there really is that possibility in the NFL, and we're seeing it currently in the NFC South where you have a collection of four teams. All you have to be is the best of four bad teams, and you host a playoff game. You're the four seed on a seven-team playoff tree. They'll never get rid of it. 
because the owners love having, in theory, the 25% chance of being that four seed. That's all I got to be. All I got to be is better than my three main rivals, and I'm the four seed, and I host a playoff game. They're never going to take that away. I, I, and I remember a couple of years ago when this was all happening with the NFC East, how can we reconfigure the divisions? Can we go to three divisions per conference? If you have five or six teams, it's more of an accomplishment, yada, yada. That was the NFC East that caused all that, and now they may send every team in the division to the playoffs, which would be an incredible feat. And with three wildcard teams now, it's theoretically possible. I'd be stunned if it ultimately happens, but who knows? And by the way, there is a reason, Miles. There's a historical precedent for why Nick Sirianni should be careful. Jets fans who were alive and paying attention to the NFL back in 1986 will be well aware of this. This is an item from... Rich Semini from a few years ago, actually December 11, 2010, looking back on the 1986 Jets that were 10-1, just like the Eagles, and they collapsed. They fell apart. Now, did they They not make the playoffs, or did they go one and out? They did finish 10-6, but they lost their final five games, starting with a 45-3 blowout on Monday Night Football to the Miami Dolphins, and they just all that potential was wasted. And again, I can't remember whether they made it to the playoffs or not, if they did, they were one and done, but they just fell apart. So in theory, it can happen. And one of the ways well, you avoid the, the it happening did it last year, honestly, I mean, they were you know, 10 and two. Yeah, they were 10 and far. two. Yeah, they were 10 and two. And they, 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 and they made it ever since they made it. And they were embarrassed in that Monday night, the first ever Monday night playoff game that we wish would have been someone else on that Monday night spot, because it was just an embarrassing night for the Cardinals from start to finish. So. Uh, yeah, but one of the ways that you avoid it happening is you take very seriously the possibility that can. When you just yeah. kind of go into it with your chest out, yeah, we're 10 and 1, here we are. That's when you step on a rake at some point, and that's what Sirianni is trying to avoid. And I agree with you. I don't imagine that it's going to happen, but hey, hey, look, I, I, this gets back to the Italian heritage and the constant superstitions and don't jinx anyone. But we saw how quickly it can happen, Aaron Rodgers. And there were a few times last night that Jalen Hurts got pretzel a little bit and he was running a little aggressively. And it's, you know, how sustainable is that? That one specifically, when I thought he had great presence of mind to take a seat, he got hit hard from behind. And, and, you know, he kind of got up a little slowly and he jogged back to the huddle and, you know, you, you fight it off and he's got tremendous will when it comes to that. He's got great determination, great focus, but all it takes is one. And that's one of the drawbacks of being a running quarterback. You're exposing yourself to the potential of getting hit and getting hurt. And then it's Gardner Minshew, which, you know, as backups go, it changes the offense. But they they have squatted on Gardner Minshew for a reason. And unlike any other team in the NFL, the Eagles know the value of having a good backup quarterback. It's been said in the past that the Eagles regard backup quarterback as one of the 11 or 10 most important positions on the entire team. Yeah. And it's proven them right. I mean, you know, you think about 2017 and what happened then, well, their backup quarterback comes in and he leads them to a victory over uh, the new England Patriots. So yeah, I I think one of the things that can help the Eagles not go down that, Oh, we've arrived path is the veteran leadership that they've got. I'm thinking of four guys specifically. You got Jason Kelsey. You've got Fletcher Cox. You've got Lane Johnson. You've got Brandon Graham. All of those dudes were on that 2017 team. 
So they all understand what it takes to win a championship. And, and, you know, Jason Kelsey was talking about this at the beginning of the season. Oh, expectations don't mean anything. And he didn't quite put it that way. He put it a little more colorfully. But I think when you have guys like that who know the value of staying in the moment and being uh, the guy that you have to be every single day, every single week, and having that consistency, not getting too high, not getting too low, that really, really helps them. So I think that's one of the things that will prevent them from falling into that trap of, oh, we've arrived. I I think enough of those guys in that locker room know, no, we have not. And something that Jalen Hurts told me several weeks ago after one of their many wins this year the team has taken on his personality Mm -hmm. and he was very careful in how he worded it. He doesn't want to be presumptuous. He doesn't want to come off in a negative way, but he's a leader and he is leading them to approach football the way that he's always approached it because he's the son of a coach and he's lived it his whole life. And he understands the reality of taking it one week at a time. All those cliches that became cliches for a reason, right? They're true. That's the reality of a cliche, a good cliche that makes you groan and roll your eyes. And here we go again. The reason it's cliche is because it is dead on balls accurate. True. Like, why are you so, explaining cliches to me? I'm just audience? saying I'm I'm is hey, it cliche on. to explain? Has it become cliche to explain no, what a cliche it's, it's a little, is? It's a little mansplainy. Like, you know, no, it's not. I mean, no, it's not. Know, I'm, yes, I'm it not. Is. I'm not. We all know no, what cliches not. are. I'm and, not. And that's not the audience. point. Like, that's not, that's that's not, not what we have to spend point. our time doing. That's <laughs> not. Jeez. Whoa. Well, I didn't know you were in charge of the clock for the show. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let you decide what we talk about and what we not talk about in the future. God. Mansplain how. I run my show. Jeez. Right. I mean. Um, but but the, point, the point is, the point is, all that crap we hear all the time over and over and over again, it's 100% true. That's my point. It sounds yes. like crap. And it's like, here we go again. But it is 100% true. Focus on one game at a time. You know, all the stuff that we get upset about when they say it at press conferences. Say something more interesting than the same old stuff. I don't want to hear the same old stuff that you're reading off of a card. They had that guy in Germany a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about Tom Brady, and the only English he knew was a bunch of football cliches, and he just started rattling them off one after another. But they're all true. All right. Yeah. Uh, Let's pivot to the Jets and the Bears. Miles is feisty. Miles had to travel cross country twice over the past few days he's feisty all right and i've been uh, in a jets I, I flew and i was in a car and there's been a lot of travel so i guess i am a little feisty yeah. the jets taking on the bears and who the hell knows who the quarterback of the bears was going to be there was a moment in time yesterday where it's uh, oh it's a trevor simeon oh it's uh, nathan biederman oh it's jim mcmahon i don't know who the hell was going to be the quarterback of the bears it ultimately didn't matter the jets rolled over chicago because without justin fields they are a less than ordinary team. I mean, come on. They got one of the most exciting players in the NFL right now, and they still couldn't win with him healthy. They got no chance with Justin Fields not playing. The defense was dismantled via trade. They're, They're not tanking per se, but they're thinking about the future more than they're thinking about the present. The Jets thinking about the present because they entered the game six and four. They benched Zach Wilson, still an issue of controversy for some, but the bottom line is Mike White came in. And he did everything that he needed to do. And that was the issue with Zach Wilson. He wasn't doing the little things, the easy things. He was failing 
in the easy aspects of the game. He was trying, as we explained last week, to be Patrick Mahomes. He was trying to make the spectacular throw. He, the, the other stuff's boring to him. This is all part of the maturity process he's got to go through, and they're forcing him to mature by, by removing him from the action. He wasn't even in uniform yesterday. What a slap in the face that is, but he's got to humble himself. He's got to go back to the basics, hit the reset button, and meanwhile, the task gets a little more difficult if Mike White, who told me yesterday, he learned those lessons himself because he had the great performance against the Bengals last year when they wanted to make him the permanent quarterback and put him in the Hall of Fame all at once. Then he had the short week Thursday night game against the Colts where he got injured. Then he had the game against the Bills, which was just an embarrassing, humiliating 45-17 loss. He told me he learned you can't play hero ball. You can't try to win with every throw you make. You have to take what's there. You have to run the offense. You have to stay even keeled. He learned last year what they're trying to teach Zach Wilson now. And as Mike White applies it, Miles, it makes it harder for Zach Wilson to earn his way back onto the field. That's the balance here. Zach Wilson can learn everything he needs to learn and and be ready to go. But what are you going to do? You're going to bench Mike White if he keeps playing like he did yesterday? Hell no. Look at that. Look at that wink. Oh, yeah. That's a dude that knows. That's a dude that knows what he's about to go do. Um, you know, I think it's interesting because last year I, I was intrigued by Mike White. I, I thought that the game he got hurt against the Colts was a Thursday night game. And the way he was piloting that offense in that first drive that he had, it seemed like he was really playing very well within himself and within that scheme. And that's exactly what I saw yesterday from him. Now, he wasn't necessarily trying to force many throws. He wasn't trying to do things that were outside of the structure. He was on time and on target. And we were in an offense like that. You know, that that LaFleur offense that we've seen from Kyle Shanahan and, you know, uh, Mike LaFleur's brother, Matt LaFleur, runs it in Green Bay. All you need to do is hit the open guy because there's going to be a guy open most times, right? Or sometimes you might need to hit that open, that that tight window throw, and you can do it. But, I mean, right, right there, a guy's college open, you know? And if a guy's college open, you have to hit him. And when you have an elite receiver, give him a chance. Look at what Gary Wilson can do with the ball when he has the ball in his hand. So it's one of those deals where, yeah, you see Mike White and you see him play within the structure of the offense. And yes, he's playing against the Chicago Bears. But, you know, if you're going to try to ease somebody in and make sure that they can do the things that they need to do to win one game, like that's exactly what you want to see from him. So, I mean, I can understand why the Jets made the move. They kind of had to after you have your head coach calling uh, the offense dog poo in a press conference and he didn't say poo. Right. So <laughs> you had to make a change. Only so, I didn't say And if fudge. you're going to go to Mike White, then, yeah, it's, I, I think that's exactly the result that you want. Well, here's the guy who called the offense eight days ago, dog poo, only he didn't say poo, yesterday talking about something that was the exact opposite of dog poo, Robert Sala on the performance of Mike White. I think Mike is, is able to process in a way where if that's what you give him, that's what he'll take. He'll play boring ball with you. He'll push the ball downfield if he has to, and he'll make, he'll make very good decisions with the football, and he'll make them quick. He made the easy look easy, and that's, uh, uh, I thought he did a really good job with that. You know, something I've never noticed in all these years of doing this show and reacting to press conferences, hey, Jets, iron out the wrinkles in your background. 
you got wrinkles there. You got bubbles. Pull it, pull it straight. Get an iron. Do something. It's very distracting. All right. Uh, it was very distracting to watch Zach Wilson try to play football. But the key is you, you make the easy look easy. That's right. what they wanted. There are yes. ways to run an offense that are very simple. They are founded in your basic fundamentals. And that's what Zach Wilson has lost sight of. He's got to get back on that horse. He's got to hit that reset button, as I said. And Mike White, who went more than a year without playing, was able to do that while he progressed. And he built confidence along the way. He went from being the guy who was not dressing on game days. He was the backup to Joe Flacco when Zach Wilson was injured early in the year. Then he goes to number three. Then at some point along the way, he supplants Joe Flacco to number two. You know, I remember, Miles, you caught on, and this was a brilliant observation by you when Sam Ellinger was climbing the ladder in Indy. You had an instinct of what was going to happen, and it did until it didn't, until they decided that, well, maybe the the old man gives us a better chance to actually win football games. But I think when Mike White jumped Joe Flacco, that was the sign that maybe they're not real happy with where Zach Wilson is, and maybe they're getting more comfortable with where Mike White is, and it yeah. was just a matter of time, and lo and behold, here we are. And, you know, it's, it's a tough spot for Mike White. I talked to him for a good seven minutes yesterday after the game, which is, a, a, what's, as these conversations go, that's a fairly long time. And he understands there's this balance between teammate, and he said, I view Zach Wilson as a friend before teammate. But you're a teammate and you're supportive. Backup quarterback, supposed to support the starter, right? And he's the starter who's helping mentor and groom the young guy who was the starter. So you've got this supposedly symbiotic relationship, regardless of who's playing or who's not. And you've got this competitive relationship where I want to be the one on the field. I want it to be me. It's you, but I'm back here working, so it'll be me again. Sorry, you're my friend, you're my teammate, but... I want you to be the one who's standing on the sideline, not me. And Mike White understands that. And he's, you know, he knows that Zach Wilson is trying. As they work through this friendship they have, Zach Wilson is also trying to convince Robert Sala to say to Mike White, give the ball to Zach and go back and sit down. So it's just kind of a weird, awkward spot. And it sounds like everything's fine for now. But also Mike White, I mean, he says he doesn't know. I I don't. I, I didn't really buy it. I and and it's not his place By to what? make the Wait. announcement. That he says he doesn't know that he's going to be the starter next week. He, oh. he, 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 I, I I I was I was kind of throwing the challenge flag a little bit on that. I think he knows. I just think he's being respectful of the fact that it's not for him to announce it. But I suspect he either has been told or has a very strong feeling. Or maybe it would just be incredulous. Like, what do you mean I don't get to start another game after yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I would be pretty incredulous, you know. It's interesting because, like I said, it, I, I feel like Mike, Mike White does a good job of just playing within the scheme of the offense. And, and I think about what Zach Wilson said publicly a few weeks ago, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, where he was saying that when I get out of the structure of the offense, I want to make a big play. I don't, I don't want to just throw the ball away. I want to make something happen. And it's, 
Well, you can't always do that. You have to know when the play is dead and you have to make sure that you get out of that and you live to see another down. And that's not something that he was doing. And he also was just not making the easy plays. I think back to what Chris Ballard said about Carson Wentz after the disaster of the finish that was the 2021 Colts season where it was just make the layups, right? I mean, that's the same thing that Robert Saul is basically saying. Mike White makes the easy look easy. So if you have those kinds of things from one quarterback and you're not seeing them from the other quarterback, then yeah, I understand why you have to put in the quarterback that's going to do it, that's going to play within the structure of the offense, that is going to execute the plan that you have to defeat a certain defense. And we'll see what happens with Mike White. Right? I mean, you, you mentioned earlier too, the fact that he did not play very well against Buffalo Bills last year. That's a division rival. As another team that you're going to have to be able to do things against and you're going to see different teams and they're going to approach you in different ways. How does Mike White adjust? I don't know if the fact that he has that experience of playing in there for a little bit and then not playing how that's going to affect him now that he's going to be seeing different opponents, we assume. But he's still got work to do to show that he can be a quarterback that can not just take the Jets to the playoffs. Because the Jets do look like a playoff team if they play offense like that, right? The defense, that's fine. It's the offense. Can you guys match what the defense is doing? But if you get there, then what are the adjustments that you make? And how are you going to be able to take the counter punches from teams that now see what you do on film? It's going to be an interesting way to, to see what's going on with the Jets the rest of the way. The defense is definitely good enough that if you can score 31 on a regular basis offensively, you're going to win your football games if you're the New York yep. Jets. Again, it was 31 to 10. The Jets win. The Bears are done, even though they're not mathematically eliminated. They basically are. And uh, we're done for this opening segment. When we return, things are getting very interesting in the AFC North, where it looked like the Ravens were ready to take control until they weren't. We'll talk about a couple of key games that relate to that division when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. 